Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the Quantum Mechanics, the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everybody in between. Yeah, I, I was thinking paranormal weather update. Yeah. Um, you had any thoughts? Well, I thought it was um, a couple of kelpies vigorously toweling themselves down. Okay, that's good. I, I was thinking, could it be a bit of a trickster spirit? Because this week, I think the temperature was higher. It's autumn. It was higher than it was any day in the summer. And then it's going to be really cold next week, apparently. Maybe even snow. So I thought there's some trickster spirit at play, maybe. That is not a bad shout. I hadn't heard about how cold it was going. I'm going camping over the weekend. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well... I, I have sort of packed some warm things, but um, perhaps I need to pack some even warmer things. Okay. But the reason for the kelpies was uh, it was on my mind because I put the washing outside before I came out over to uh, to you. And then as I was driving over, I had to use my windscreen wipers. And I thought, okay. right. bugger. <laughs> yeah, okay. So kelpies drying themselves off. That's, that's our weather update. <laughs> Tricks the kelpies. Tricks the kelpies. Should we go? Should we just go for the episode? You got anything else that you wanted to uh, throw in? No, no, I don't think so. No, um, very small Sherlock update at the end, but um, cool. no, let's get into it. All right, I'll, 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 I've got the violin next to me, so we're good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this acting just it just oh, gets I, I, I listened to it back last <laughs> week. It's like terrible. Sorry. So I do apologise for my poor performance. I'm never going to win an Oscar. Or I any. liked it. I liked oh, okay. it. Well, but this is this is kind of a little bit influenced by an episode that you did a few weeks ago on papers in the CIA archive relating to whether we lived in a holographic universe, mm. which was a really good episode. If you've not heard it out there, go back, have a listen. It's really, really good. I'm not going to talk about the holographic universe part of it, but the CIA, because that, that episode struck with me. Now, we've discussed the CIA and Amer- the American military's work on psychic spying, remote viewing and psychic abilities. We've done that quite a lot, right? Yeah. We've also discussed briefly the CIA using cats as spies and pigeons as weapons, if you remember back. Yes, yeah, the um, the cat with a tape recorder yeah, yeah. sewn into it. Trying yeah. to train a cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Um so, yeah, no, it's. I th- thought, God, there must be more stories out there. So I thought today we could look at some of the other strange things that the CIA and the KGB have done or looked into. Okay. I'm imagining there's going to be an exploding cigar in there somewhere. <laughs> well, there's not an exploding cigar, but there is something uh, where you could... Similar that explodes. Um, so a small warning, if you're listening in the kitchen or in the car with kids around, we are going to talk about sex drugs and dog poo on today's episode <laughs> i think i've just worked out where the explosion is <laughs> yeah, yeah i think you might have yeah so you have been warned so so just bear that in mind i was going to put in at this point ben about us having a license to thrill but i didn't think i'd be able to pull that off so i'm not going to say that that's that's right that seems um that's the sort of thing that Anne Summers put on their window, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, maybe it's all this sex we've got coming up in this episode. <laughs> um, so when I started researching this topic, I thought I might come up with a couple of good stories. Actually, Ben, we could have done a whole spin-off series. On oh, it. really? Oh, there's some crazy stuff out there. Should we start in America with the CIA? Not just because they have a history of weird operations, but 
the, the CIA archive is amazing, isn't it? And it gives you a, new, yeah. a unique look into the world of espionage. So um, I don't know if you found, though, it's quite, it's quite difficult to plough through and reading some of the documents is really hard. The way they're written is almost impossible to decipher. It is, and there isn't really a story arc. You sort of have to... You have to almost know what you're looking for to look for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's start with the CIA's explorations with and use of the mind-altering drug LSD. Now, one of the most controversial and well-known CIA operations is MKUltra. I'm only going to do a brief sem- summary of MKUltra here but because it's kind of done quite a lot. And, I, you know, again, we probably would need a few episodes to cover it properly. So I'll do a brief summary if you want to know more, there are some great podcasts and documentaries that cover the topic in more detail and depth out there. So if you search around and want more, you can get it. But in summary, MK Ultra was a programme started in 1953 by the CIA. The objective, to find a drug that could be used as a truth serum or as a form of mind control. I guess both. Yeah. Now, after experimenting with a number of drugs, the head of the programme, Sidney Gottlieb, felt LSD had the most potential. And Ben, he went on to do one of the biggest drug deals in history, certainly for the 1950s. He, what, like an undercover drug deal? No, it wasn't an undercover one. What he did was he bought the entire, the entire medical-grade supply of LSD for American government use. I didn't know there was a medical grade of LSD. Yeah, so it's the it was the whole kind of legitimate supply, uh, supply in the world. And at the time, the drug was only officially produced by one Swiss company, and Gottlieb purchased the whole stockpile for $240,000. That's sort of less than I would have imagined. I guess in today's money, a couple of million. Yeah, like maybe. Yeah, 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 exactly. Now... The CIA set up a number of front organisations to finance research into LSD, including funding research at MIT. And Ben, can you guess where else they funded research? <laughs> Is it Stanford? It's Stanford <laughs> University. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so tests were carried out, some voluntary, but many without the consent of the participants, which is very controversial. This included many prisoners who were unwittingly given the drug daily over a period of months resulting in many people experiencing mental and physical after-effects and at least one death, potentially many more. God, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah, really bad. Can you imagine, especially a drug like that, where you've got no idea what's going on? No, you'd think you were losing your mind. Yeah. Well, the MK Ultra project was eventually scrapped. I don't think necessarily because of ethical considerations. I think it was because the results were, let's say, unpredictable as you would probably expect with the mind-altering drug. Yeah. So were they, like, attempting... So this was all about mind control. They were attempting to program them to do something. I think it was a bit of that. Um, I think originally it started off as, can we find a drug that is going to be a truth serum, effectively? Right, OK. And then I think it it morphed into, actually, maybe we could control people or a population. So... I'm sure many of you have seen those experiments on the American military where they, they gave them all LSD. Have you ever mm. seen those? That footage is just crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, I think it was both uh, true serum, some form of mind control, and possibly a weapon against the enemy. Because if your enemy's completely, you know, disorientated and listening to psychedelic rock, then you can probably win. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. 
So, yeah, it was terrible that so many people participating participated without their consent. However, many notable subjects did volunteer, including the poet Allen Ginsberg, Ken Kesey, the writer of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yeah, I've heard about him, yeah. And this one is a bit of another throwback. And musician Robert Hunter, who is best known for his collaboration with psychedelic rock band... Oh, The Grateful Dead? The Grateful Dead. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Blimey. Yeah. Now, one of the most bizarre MK Ultra experiments involves sex workers in New York and San Francisco who are employed to secretly spike their clients with the drug, then question them while CIA agents watch through a two-way mirror. That's some sort of kink, that is. That really is, isn't it? Now, the purpose, apparently, of the experiment was to try and ascertain the right amount of LSD required to extract useful information. <laughs> the operation was codenamed Midnight Climax. Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. Oh, my... This all reads like Austin Powers yeah, well, film. It's like you've read my, my script, because I do mention Austin Powers in a minute. <laughs> I really didn't know you were going to do that. Okay. Yeah, no, no, it's funny you said that, because I was thinking exactly the same thing. But, yeah, so um, I, I, I assume they picked uh, the clients of prostitutes because they were unlikely to complain, right? yeah. It kind of made sense in a way, but there is something a bit weird about, you know, the whole scenario. You've got CIA agents watching with behind a two-way mirror. Very strange. That is... Oh, and what are they supposed to ask them? I mean... I think... I don't think it was like... I don't think the CIA had any... They weren't like subjects they were trying to get information out of. It was just a study to see if you gave someone what dose of drug you needed to try and get some sensible information out of them, whatever it is. Do you know right, what I mean? okay. Yeah, the CIA seemed to have this strange relationship with sex, even at one point exploring making their own erotic movie. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, this plan to produce a porno came about during the 1960s when America and other Western countries were concerned about the dictator of Indonesia President Sukarno. The former CIA operative, Joseph Burkholder Smith, wrote in his book, Portrait of a Cold War, which was published in 1976. He says, Our special Sukarno committee was formed to accomplish the production of a film, or at least still photos, showing Sukarno and his Russian girlfriend engaged in his favourite activity. His favourite activity being sex, Ben. Oh, realize. oh, I was thinking chess. No, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. We were interested in the impacts of this theme outside of Indonesia. Our purpose was to present Sukarno in an unfavourable and unsympathetic light as possible. In order to achieve this aim, Ben, the CIA first trolled through a large number of adult movies, trying to find a lookalike for Sukarno to play him in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> This really is ridiculous. <laughs> they couldn't find anyone who looked like him or fitted the bill. I'm assuming that's looked like him. It said fitted the bill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, but I mean, I don't understand why you wouldn't just... I, I don't know. There's so Surely there's a better way than just going through hours of it. Yeah, you'd think, wouldn't you? I mean, that's like going through Pornhub to find someone who looks like my brother. You know, I mean, insanity. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was your brother. 
<laughs> well, that <laughs> and that's why that would be insane. You just have to ask him. <laughs> so there's CIA agent Burke Holder Smith. Then recalls because they couldn't find anyone who looked like um, Sicano. We decided that we would try and develop a full face mask of Sicano. We planned to ship the mask out to Los Angeles and ask the police to pay some blue film star to wear it during his big scene. Well, that's not going to look weird, is it? <laughs> In John Rainlay's book, The Agency, he claims the Sicano porn movie was codenamed Happy Days. <laughs> Are you sure you have been looking at the CIA archive? Are you sure? Yeah, unless I've, I've, I've unwittingly taken part in an MK Ultra <laughs> experiment. This is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, in his book, he says uh, that it was codenamed Happy Days and a number of still photos were taken to be distributed in the Far East. It is also rumoured that these salacious photos were sent to generals in Indonesia in the hope they would be so disgusted they would overthrow President Sukarno. <laughs> I mean, that's a long hope. Yeah, well, however... <laughs> Rather than rush to overthrow the dictator, they were said to be impressed at his ability to seduce large numbers of attractive Western women. <laughs> so it kind of the plan backfired by the sounds of it. I'm, I'm not surprised, really. I mean, in what... But also, surely... There's so many questions. Like, <laughs> yeah. why would he allow himself to be filmed? Yeah. Why does his face look like it's peeling off? Yeah. yeah. Why does the rest of his body not look nothing like him? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 totally bizarre. I mean, I get I get the fact. I mean, you could just give it some credibility if they came across a porn star who looked like him and went, "Oh, here's an idea." But to actually try and find one, not find one then create this kind of weird face mask. You know, and back in those days, it wouldn't be like it is now. Do you know what I mean? We're talking, I bet it looked terrible, right? It's probably why... So the rumours are... There are some rumours that the film did get made, but there seems to be some debate about that. What seems more likely is there were some test photos done and some of those were distributed mm -hmm. uh, to these people, uh, either in Indonesia or outside of Indonesia, to try and embarrass... The guy, I guess if it's still photos, you can get away with kind of poor lighting and maybe kind of disguise the whole thing. But it does seem like a bit of a bizarre operation. That is so, so odd. So odd. Well, when the CIA were not making adult movies, they would sometimes be found... <laughs> or watching them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They would sometimes be found in sex shops buying blow-up dolls. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> At least that was the case, according to an article in Newsweek magazine from 2015, for CI agent Walter McIntosh, who detailed one of his weird omissions, buying a life-size rubber doll from a Washington sex shop. McIntosh, <laughs> what a great title this guy had. McIntosh headed the CIA's disguise unit from 1977 to 1979. I'd like to work in the disguise unit. Well, this is where I got... So I've written here, it was a scene more in line with Austin Powers than James Bond. It, well, it is because, yeah, blow-up dolls are very Austin Powers. I mean, um, I think... Yeah, it's sort of like... It makes me think of Airplane with the um, the, the blow-up co-pilot, um, the autopilot. Yeah. 
But so a life size. I mean, I suppose most sex dolls, I guess, would be life size. If they were Barbie size, it would be. Yeah, that would be weird. They wouldn't be very erotic, I suppose. Um, what do you think? Have you got any thoughts about? What I was going to. What's he going to do it for? Um, I would. Uh, would would it be used as um, some kind of booby trap? No. Although booby trap is a good name. That is a good pun in there. Yeah. Um, is it used to uh, take the place of somebody in a run-through of a plot and then they replace it with a real person when it works? No. I'll give you a little oh. clue. I don't know if this helps. The code name for this project was Jack in the Box. Oh, so it, it pops up when yeah. something is opened. Yes. So this this life-size doll um, blow-up doll was purchased and modified to look like a man dressed in clothes and rigged up with the primitive airbag technology enabling this life-size rubber agent to inflate in an instant when needed <laughs> when needed yeah. okay those words are doing some heavy lifting <laughs> so what, when would it be needed well so yes the 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 doll was codenamed jack in a box it was shipped to moscow to help CIA agents when they were being followed in their cars by their KGB counterparts. Well, oh, what, so they can get out of the car? Yeah, so the CIA agents who were being followed, one of the agents would be in the passenger seat, he would jump out of the car when they went round a corner, the driver would then trigger the life-size dummy to sit in his place, complete with a fedora hat, the Russians would keep following the car without realising that one of the agents had jumped out. Okay, that is kind of clever. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, all right, I'll give them that. Why it had to be a sex doll? Why couldn't they just commission yeah. somebody to make the doll? Why do they have to go... Because that sex doll, that's surely going to be much lower quality than would be possible to manufacture if you were doing it, you know, especially for that project. I wonder if they were having a coffee with the porno team. <laughs> and the guy was going i've got to try and find this life-size kind of doll and they got mannequin and then one of the agents went well when we did the porno thing there were some really good looking sex dolls you might want to get one of those oh, i love the fact that they bought it they're like right now we've got to make it a man yeah like <laughs> first thing you do stick on a moustache <laughs> well they they enlisted some amazing people to help them so macintosh developed the jack-in-a-box blow-up rubber agent with two Hollywood costume specialists, Lee Smith and John Chamber. Chambers, who was a makeup specialist, was played by John Goodman in the movie Argo. Wow, that's a great movie too. Yeah, it's a good movie. And Smith, the other guy they enlisted, um, outside of his costume specialist work, was also an illusion maker for top magicians. Okay, so, they, so they're bringing all these top people... And yet they've bought something from Ann Summers for 20 quid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, that's insane. Yeah. Well, the Jack in the Box apparently successfully fooled the KGB on a number of occasions and allowed the agents to basically go and meet their contacts without being followed. But I do feel sorry for the agent who had to jump out of the car while they're going around a corner. That's quite intense, isn't it? I mean, he's but they'll have, they'll have slowed down. I mean, you couldn't get out at 30 miles an hour. No, but. That's, I mean, it's it's a great trick. Well, yeah, so apparently the process was they'd go round a corner, the agent would jump out, the driver would then activate the airbag, 
the thing would pop up. The driver then had a fedora hat that he would stick on top and then they keep driving. Amazing. Amazing. Now, there is another sex-related story connected to the CIA that does the rounds. You may have heard of this one. It was that the CIA had a plan to drop American-made condoms across Russia during the Cold War. Have you heard of this? Uh was this that they were going to make them really large to intimidate? Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah, the plan was to drop extra large condoms that were labelled size medium. <laughs> <laughs> Again, so Austin Powers. Yeah. The intention was to demoralise the Russian population by making them believe that a Russian manhood was in no way comparable to the superior sized men of America. I mean, yeah, if you want to. I mean, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> well, this isn't a story that you can find in the CIA archives because I think there is some doubt about the veracity of it. And in trying to ascertain the truth, Ben, all roads seem to lead to one person we've mentioned on the podcast before. Who's that? Winston Churchill. Ah. Many accounts suggest the origins of the story were either a prank or joke initiated by our British wartime Prime Minister. Ah, okay, that makes a lot of sense, yes. Some versions of the story say the British shipped condoms to Russia as aid during the war, that Churchill decided they should only send extra-large condoms but label the boxes with the words Made in Britain, Size Medium. Oh, very good. What a lol. But there is, there are other versions. The more plausible one that I found for this oversized condom story is that the British were actually sending protective waterproof covers for large guns, and when Churchill saw them, he joked that they looked like the biggest condoms he had ever seen and should be labelled condom medium. Right, OK. Fine. And I mean... That, and that, that seems more logical, doesn't it? It does seem more logical, yes. That makes a lot of sense. And So I guess the implication then is somebody wrote on the box as a joke, condom medium, on them. It's also rumoured when the Russians got wind of the joke, they sent back a note that said they tried using them for sex but found them too tight. Excellent. <laughs> Which I like. I don't know if any of that is true, but I do like that story. That's kind of like Twitter bants. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's brilliant. Okay. Now, we may never know the truth of the giant condom story, but if it had been a CIA plan, it wouldn't have been close to some of the crazy ideas we know for sure that they did have. The price for that, or one of the prizes at least, has to go to the CIA plan to launch an Osama bin Laden action figure. Uh, why would they do that? Well, this came to light thanks to an article in the Washington Post in 2014, the headline... The CIA hatched plans to make demon toy to counter Bin Laden's influence. Now, the document I'm going to quote from is in the CIA archives and is the CIA responding to the original story. It was unclassified in 2019, uh, includes the original article and the CIA's short response. It can be found at the, on the CIA website reading rooms at cia.gov if you want to check it out, cia.gov. So let's start, shall we, with the story that was first published in the Washington Post. It says, For more than a decade, the CIA has deployed drones, satellites, spies, informants and tracking devices to thwart al-Qaeda in Pakistan. 
The spy agency also considered waging war with toys. Beginning in about 2005, the CIA began developing a custom-made Osama Bin Laden action figure, according to people familiar with the project. The face of the figures were painted with heat-dissolving material, designed to peel off and reveal a red-faced Bin Laden who looked like a demon, with piercing green eyes and black facial markings. The goal of this short project was simple, spook children and parents, causing them to turn away from the actual Bin Laden. Which is a bit of a loose concept, isn't it? I mean, we're doing a lot of acrobatics of, well, if they see this, then they'll think he's evil, and they won't think that's a poorly made toy. Yeah. No. No. So the code name for the Bin Laden figures was Devil Eye. And to create them, the CIA <laughs> turned to one of the best minds in the toy business. Did Aha do the theme tune? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my life. This is so ridiculous. The toy maker was Donald Levin, the former Hasbro executive, who was instrumental in creation of the widely popular G.I. Joe's toys. So I guess that's our, our equivalent of Action Man, right? Yeah, 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 it is. Levin died in 86 after a lengthy battle with cancer. In response to questions about his work on the Bin Laden toy, his family said in a statement, Don Levin was a dedicated patriot and proud Korean War veteran. When called on, he was honoured to assist our country. Which kind of seems to suggest that he was involved, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is he not mentioned in the CIA CIA archive? No, he's not. Uh, They probably keep these people... Yeah, redacted. Yeah. So the article goes on to speculate about how... But wait, they should have got him in to do the blow-up doll. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, maybe they learnt their lesson and kind of got him in. Now, the article goes on, not that we're insinuating that this former executive of Hasbro was involved in any sex toy production whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear, if there's any lawyers listening. The article goes on to speculate about how many of these Bin Laden action figures were actually made with some CIA sources saying hundreds and others saying just three prototypes. So that was the story, Ben. Shall we get to the CIA's response? (laughs) Oh, please. I mean, what do you think about the story and the CIA response? I read it and thought this has got to be rubbish. Do you know what I mean? It can't be true. I mean, I want to know what they have to say first. Okay. So the unclassified document is under the title <laughs> this is uh, this is the other thing that struck me about the archives just you think everything would be titled like an academic paper but it's just not is it absolutely not no and it, it it's not titled anything to do with what it's about sometimes either yeah well the title of the document is folks fyi here's our statement on the ubl the Osama bin laden doll devil doll issue in the Washington Post story. Mm. It says, the action figure idea was proposed and rejected by the CIA before it got past the prototype stage. To our knowledge, there were only three individual action figures ever created, and these were merely to show what a final product might look like. After being presented with these examples, the CIA declined to pursue the idea and did not produce or distribute any of these action figures. Furthermore, the CIA has no knowledge of other action figures being produced or distributed by others. That makes sense, because the first thing that struck me was, who are you going to get to stock them? 
Yes, how does that work? Yeah. Unless, like the condoms, you just drop them somewhere. Yeah, but then, I mean, are kids just going to find them and pick them up? Yeah, and, I don't know how it works. And then when they start going wrong, surely normal people just look for a customer service number. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't... It is a really... You're right, because, you know, it's. I think this is why I thought this has got to be a spoof story, but it's not, because the the actual original premise is deeply flawed, unless I'm missing something. No, no, I mean, if it was part of a set, you know, there was context to it, but like, oh, we're launching an Osama Bin Laden doll, oh, the, the paint comes off, oh, well, never mind, I mean... I just don't... I don't understand. No, I don't. Well, there you are. The CIA did commission three prototypes of an Osama Bin Laden devil doll action figure. Interestingly, one of these prototype dolls, Ben, came up for sale in 2014. No way! Yes, in an online auction site with a starting price of $2,500. I've seen pictures of it. We'll stick some of the pictures of it um, on uh, social media if we don't get taken down. Oh, I want one. (laughs) Yeah, well, to, well, I don't know what it went for in the end, but its starting price was two thousand five hundred. There, the other two prototypes are said to still be in the possession of the CIA, where they come out and play with them. Yeah, they they look slightly different. The one that appeared on the auction site does look like an action figure doll. Uh, some of the pictures, I don't know if they're the genuine ones of the ones the CIA have, look like a kind of almost like a big face mask rather than adult so there are there are varying pictures of them out there but uh and also i guess you can't guarantee that the one that was sold at an auction site was genuine i don't know how they proved its provenance but um it certainly was out there and was on sale for two thousand five hundred (laughs) dollars so weird it is weird ben but that isn't even the weirdest idea the cia has had that honour would probably go to Project A one one nine. Isn't that the road just north of Bradford? <laughs> yeah, no, it's much more. I hope not. Project A one one nine was a top secret American proposal to detonate a hydrogen bomb on the moon. Oh, yeah, I thought I heard something about this. <laughs> That's great. Is this in the sixties? The project was first suggested in nineteen fifty eight. Right. And it was worked on by two of America's leading nuclear physicists. Project A-119 objective was to create a show of force that would unsettle the Soviet Union in their plans for the space race and nuclear expansion. And they intended to do this by exploding an H-bomb on the moon. What could go wrong? Exactly. So the plan to explode the hydrogen bomb on the border between the light and dark side of the moon, aptly named the Terminator Line. (laughs) <laughs> ah, so it could be seen. You're right. So the resulting explosion would be seen by the naked eye on Earth and shock all that saw it, especially the Russians. I guess it's like a show of ultimate power, right? We can do this. I suppose so, but it would piss me off, I can tell you that. Yeah, well, I think it would piss a lot of people off. And weirdly, this almost seemed to start a short-lived destructive space race, or at least a kind of propaganda race, because some uh, there was reports that the Russians were actually planning to do this. Um, uh, with the Daily Times in Ohio printing the headline, Soviets to H-bomb moon on revolution anniversary. So it feels like there was a lot of disinformation. We're doing it. 
so we'll pretend that they're doing it or you know maybe the russians went they're doing it we need to get there first so you know the space race could have been very very different back then yeah yeah i mean that just shows how crazy those times were yeah and how were they going to get it up there yeah, I don't know. I think I think a bit like a a deadly Apollo mission, basically. I mean, unmanned, I guess, like 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 a probe. There's no risk in that, then. I well, mean, that could have just come down over your own. I mean, oh boy. Yeah. Now, in terms of the American project to explode the bomb on the moon, we might not have known about it, Ben, if it wasn't for Carl Sagan who as a young scientist was involved in the project before he became the godfather of space exploration. Was he really? Gosh. Now, the story only came to light because Sagan had mentioned the project on an application to a top university when he was a young man. They're probably, can you imagine the, the kind of CIA and the military going, he did what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose it's a good calling card. Yeah, well, Sagan apparently at the time of the project warned his fellow scientists of the many dangers, including, as you've been talking about, the bomb exploding during the launch. Um, the explosion messing with the gravitational pull of the Earth and our only satellite. And it was he was also reported as saying, and also it might create a lot of dust. <laughs> yeah. Love. Or even a break-off piece of the moon coming and hitting Earth. Yeah, exactly. There's all kinds of dangers. Um, well, thankfully, the Americans and the Russians finally decided bombing the moon wasn't really a good idea which I think we're all pretty relieved about, really, aren't we? Yeah, I love that. F- finally, we realised that that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> I mean, that's literally like, I finally realised that making toast in the bath wasn't a good idea. <laughs> yeah, although the consequences are probably less risky than exploding an H-bomb on uh, the moon. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, Ben, when I think about st- spy stories, I picture weird and wonderful gadgets. I don't know about you. Not necessarily blow up dolls, but... Watches uh, with laser beams. Yeah, the type that Q has in his lab in James yes. Bond movies. And when you see that, I don't know if you have this, when I see those gadgets in the movies, you kind of think they're fun, fictional gadgets, but could have no connection to the real world of espionage, right? Yeah, I would have thought the only real ones they had were probably tiny cameras that sort of thing yeah which i think is true but there have been some extraordinary gadgets carried by real life spies in the field so i'm going to briefly just go through these i'm not going to go into great detail um now here's a question for you when i think of russian spies i think of stories of people being poisoned with tipped umbrellas Mm, yeah i kind of in my mind i thought that was all you know a fantasy, a fiction, but it's actually real. I, yeah, they're tipped with ricin, is that right? Correct, yeah, they right. use ricin. Mm. So and, and it, it, reading about it reminded me that there were stories about people being poisoned with umbrellas over the years. And poison umbrellas were deployed by the KGB in a number of assassinations, one of the most famous cases being the murder of Bulgarian writer... Georgie Markov in 1978, who had a poison pellet pushed into his leg by an umbrella tip while waiting for a bus at London's Waterloo Bridge. Gosh, okay. So they've been killing people on British territory for some time. Yeah, yeah, and that was ricin, you're right. It was it was using ricin, as far mm. as I know. There are many more examples of disguised weapons carried by real spies in the field. Um 
again, we might put some pictures of these on social media. There's a really kind of weird KGB glove gun, <laughs> which is like a, a, a woman's glove, but it's got a gun inside the kind of bit that goes up your arm. Oh. There's a Russian pistol disguised as a lipstick. Oh, that's nice. Knives disguised as fountain pens. Okay. I guess you would have to codename them knife pen rather than pen knife, right? Yeah, yeah. Can I just borrow your knife pen? <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to stab this person. Uh, not only pens, there were knives disguised as pencils, pipes that you smoke, you know, not just like normal pipes, but smoking yeah, yeah, pipes, yeah. Uh, even hidden within fake coins. There was a fake bit of coal that was an explosive device. Uh, oh, I suppose, yes, you give it to someone, they put it on their fire. That There are examples of special glasses that contain a hidden cyanide capsule in case you get captured. Oh, yeah, I think... Didn't they give a coin containing um, cyanide pills to... Um, the pilots of the very high altitude spy planes. That's correct, yes, because that's in one of those um, spy movies, the Spielberg one. I can't remember the oh, name. Oh, is it? Maybe that's where I got it yeah, from. Yeah, because I think that um, the American spy plane crashed and the guy got captured, and uh, he was he got he when he was finally exchanged for the Russian spy, he was almost ridiculed because he hadn't taken the capsule. Ah, right, right. Uh, there are multiple World War II examples of compasses hidden in matchboxes with secret compartments, in shaving brushes, in lighters, belt buckles. And I saw one which was even, you know those large buttons you get on a duffel coat? Mm. Like with a compass inside one of those as well. How nice. So these were all in case you got captured that you had a compass that would help you escape. Yeah, I, I've, I've, well, I suppose I can understand, but I've always thought... I mean, I need something a bit more useful than a compass. I mean... Yeah, it wouldn't do me any good at all. No. <laughs> I don't know about you. You know how modern cars, they tell you which direction you're driving. Yeah. And I just shrug and go, well, somebody finds that useful, but certainly not me. Yeah. Oh, well, I, every now and again, I test myself and go, I must be heading northeast and then look and go, nope, I'm heading south. <laughs> <laughs> um, the CIA developed some novel listening devices, including a remote control fake insect. Uh, <laughs> Which apparently wasn't too successful. It just got blown around in the wind. It wasn't very good. Uh, a fake tree stump, which was placed in the park near the Russian embassy to overhear embassy staff as they <laughs> ate their lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the equivalent of like Tom or Jerry dressing up as a tree and yeah, sidling yeah, over. Yeah, it was yeah. a bit like that. Perhaps my favourite was a transmitter disguised as a dog poo. A transmitter disguised as a dog poo. Yeah, that could be left anywhere without drawing much attention, which makes sense, right? Nobody's going to pick up a dog poo, right? Not, not you no. know, nobody else's dog poo, are you? No, I suppose. Well, again, so um, they put that down near where they're having a picnic. Well, I, it said a transmitter, so I, I imagine that was about trying to get data out of the country. I don't know. Oh, I, I see. I don't know if a transmitter works two ways, whether it's a listening device and transmitter, whether that's that's the definition. But, I'm with you, I'm with you. But it makes sense because it's portable. You can leave it anywhere and either you're just going to ignore it or you're not even going to notice it. I thought that was, that was there, yeah. there is a certain logic in the dog poo transmitter. Yeah, there is, there is. One of the most audacious and in some ways obvious examples of surveillance equipment 
was a giant listening device the Russians placed in the US Embassy in Moscow in 1945. This is an incredible story. I say place, Ben. In fact, the Soviets just walked the device into the embassy through the front door and the Americans hung it on the wall themselves. Is it, was it a gift? You got it right. It wasn't just hung on the wall of the embassy. The, um, the Americans unwittingly hung the Russian listening device in the US ambassador's office, where it remained for several years with the Russian spies in a van listening whenever they wanted. Have they... Do they never read the story of the Trojan horse? <laughs> yeah, it is a re- you're right, it's complete Trojan horse. So how did the Russians pull off this bodacious act of espionage? They used kids. A group of Russian schoolchildren visited the US Embassy in Moscow in 1945. As a gift, they gave the ambassador a hand-carved great seal of the US. So this is a beautiful carved wooden disc, you know, with the American eagle on it, the whole thing. I've seen it. It's beautiful. It's really beautifully done. The ambassador was so impressed with the gift, he ordered his staff to hang it in his office, where it remained for years. Hidden in the wooden seal, which has since been dubbed The Thing, was a listening device. (laughs) Now, Ben, this thing is huge. It's like the size of an old large style dustbin lid it's not small right it's big the americans did check the seal before accepting it and putting it up in the ambassador's office but could find no wires or batteries so thought it was all fine so stuck it up the device was finally discovered by british intelligence who went on to figure out how it worked the large carving known as the thing was a passive cavity resonator activated by a radio beam by the Russian agents in the van outside the embassy. When people spoke, the sound waves entered through tiny holes in the eagle's beak on the carving. This vibrated a membrane that modulated the radio beam, bouncing it back as an audio signal to the Russian agents listening in the van. That is freaking genius. It is incredible. And apparently it went on to almost define um, listening devices going forward it was a game changer basically it took seven years to figure out the wooden calf seal was actually a spying device when a british intelligence radio operator in 1951 overheard american conversations within the u.s embassy being broadcast on a soviet frequency huh. so basically said you got a bug in your in your place this is amazing as well The technology in the listening device was created by Russian inventor Leon Theremin. No way. Best known Uh, for inventing the musical instrument that bears his name. Yeah, yeah. What a genius. I always wanted a theremin. My dad's got one. Has he? Mm. Are they... I can't... I can never remember if they're really difficult to play or really easy to play. They're easy to make a noise out of. They are impossible to make any sort of um, decent noise out of. Because you you see them doing that thing where it's almost like you play them like an air harp. Right. And it's you have to be a certain distance away and, you know, it is so hard. You can make it go, ooh, ooh. Right. But, you know, um, it just sounds like you've got a ghost detector. Well, that is a thing of beauty. It looks beautiful. Well, I I never knew that, that Leon Theremin not only invented that amazing musical instrument, he he definitely 
changed the world of espionage and listening devices forever. Incredible. I still can't work out how it works. I mean, I can, I get the concept. I still yeah, can't I, work I, I it don't, out. I don't know how the technology works, but effectively it didn't need batteries and there were no visible wires, but it, it worked off vibrations in some way. Or I, this is complete conjecture on my part, or some kind of signal that the Russians sent to the device from the van that almost activated it so it didn't need batteries or, or anything visible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, wow. uh, can you imagine that ambassador? The embarrassment must have just been, oh. And you'd be reliving every conversation you'd ever had in your oh, office, yeah. wouldn't you? That time I said the Russian ambassador was ugly. He knows I said that. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, I wanted to end with a bit of a mystery. Now, we've spent a little time ourselves going through the CIA declassified archive. But there are those out there who are much more dedicated in going through the thousands of documents the archive contains, right? We're amateurs in comparison, right? I accept that. And that brings me to muckrock.com and a piece written by J. Pat Brown in 2019 titled The Strangest Things We Found in the CIA Declassified Archive. Oh, brilliant. And I'm not going to talk about all of them, but you can go and check out the website. It's good. I'm going to talk about one which is really intriguing. Brown writes, If you find yourself wandering the creepier corridors of Crest, which is the CIA archive, you might stumble upon a, you might stumble upon a file entitled Picture of a Man. Pretty straightforward title. Sure, but when you actually click on through, you're faced with pure nightmare fuel. So, Ben, you click on through, you get a document which has no information, really. It's got a date in it, it's got a couple of blank pages, but it's got a couple of pictures. I'm going to show the picture to Ben and then I'll describe it. That looks like, um, uh, like, um, I don't know, a negative of a spaceman. Well, the image shows a human figure in a suit and tie on a pitch black background. The suit and hair of the man, they're like grey speckles. You know, a bit yeah. like static electricity you'd have on an old-style TV or if your TV's not tuned in properly. Yeah. The face on the figure is just a jet black void. One of the figures has the number 1569 in black writing across the midriff. The other figure which is it looks like almost uh, uh, uh is standing in a different position but very similar the other figure has a number 1572 now brown claimed that all, he, all he's been able to find out about these strange images are they relate to the national imagery and mapping agency and the photos apparently they are photos were taken in november 1971 at the time, so this was in his article in 2019, he did a shout-out for anyone who knew about them to get in contact. Um, we'll put uh, images on Facebook so you can see them. If you search for them yourself, make sure you're careful and you go through the CIA.gov site. As I noticed, there are some unscrupulous people who have used them as clickbait, taking you through to scam websites. Oh, nice. So it did. It, it kind of did get going on the internet and people have gone, oh, I can use this to kind of... So go to cia.gov, 
If you search the images, picture of a man, make sure you're going through to the genuine CIA.gov website, but we will put some screenshots of the images. So the idea is nobody knows what they relate to? When you go through to the document on the CIA archives, it's almost got one picture. It's got a page that basically says picture of a man. It has got a date on it. It has got the image is and pretty much nothing else. Nothing. No detail whatsoever. (laughs) That is weird. So I did try and look and see if there'd been an update because obviously this thing was first posted in 2019. I can find no update as to anyone figuring out exactly what these images are or what the mystery is. So if anyone does know or has solved the mystery of these very strange images, let us know. To me, it looks like some sort of X-ray camera or something like that. Yeah, something going on, right? But it's weird to have absolutely no detail. And the the styling of the images are so weird. It's almost like... um, it's almost like if you, you know, the, the title sequence of Mad Men, it's like that, but with the suits as static electricity. It's so odd. Mm, mm. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. Um, that's why, from, from where I was standing, it sort of it almost looked like, um, like, like I say, astronauty in a way, mm. because the, it looks like it's got a silver suit, but. Yeah. That is odd. That is odd. Um, although you wouldn't have a silver suit with a tie, would you? If you're a formal astronaut. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe maybe this is the new Prada. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the new Prada astronaut outfit's very stylish. Well, if you're going to a dinner and dance aboard the space station... <laughs> yeah, you might want one. Says silver tie do. Well, that was my trailing through some of the weird things the CIA and the KGB have done. I was going to title this, you know, the weirdness of the CIA and KGB, but I think I might have to bracket it some of, because I'm sure there's plenty, plenty more out there. That is fantastic. Um, thank you. I'd, I was mistaken then by the exploding thing. I thought the exploding thing was going to be the dog poo, but it's the coal. Yes, the coal was the exploding thing. Yeah, the do- you don't want exploding dog poo. The, the dog poo was a very uh, clever either listening device or transmitter. I will not look at dog poo inflatable dolls, condoms <laughs> or coal in the same way yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should, incidentally, is my shopping list for this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I have these very great parties. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you. That was wonderful. Loads and loads of research in there. And as a reminder, what powers our research and the ability to buy the tools that we need is patreon.com forward slash pod. Please get involved there. If you do, it really, really helps us. Yeah, it does. And uh, also you'll get access to the podcast early. Um, when Basically, when we finished editing it, we put it up on Patreon and ad-free as well. So, yeah. And, and this month coming, we've made a full-length, I was going to say film. Film is a strong word. Yeah. A full-length video presentation for Halloween. Uh, normal uh, audio listeners will get the audio experience. Yes. Patreons will get the video. Yes, so it's um, yeah, it was it was a crazy evening we spent in an incredibly weird and haunted location. So uh, we'll we'll give you more detail nearer the time. But uh, we had a really interesting night, and we found some weird stuff when we got back and went through all the footage that we got. So yeah. Re- Look forward to Halloween. It's not far away. And we've got some stories, we've got some science, and we've got James from the Lawmen. Oh, it's yes, all in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got, we got a full house. 
Good. Um, did you say you had some Sherlock? Uh, well, yeah, so, just as we were... Well, hang on, get get your violin. Oh, uh, oh, uh, okay, yeah, go. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> just as we were getting in, somebody texted me something. It, it's work-related, my other work, the, th- the stuff that I do for a living. And it was all about something that's happening with Sherlock Holmes. I had no idea it was there. It's, it's something another company is doing with Sherlock Holmes. Oh, so you're actually working on something? No, no, no. It was no. The field that I work in, somebody else has done something, uh, and they just texted me to go. Oh, you should look at this. It's really check good. Check out what I've done. Oh, check out. Check at this. And uh, just as I was literally texted it as I walked into your house. Oh, that's so weird. Um, so there is uh, there is a small Sherlock. Um, I wouldn't say manifestation, but he does feel like he's following me. Yeah, it does. And it went quiet for a little bit, and it seems to be ramping up a bit more. So, yeah, if you're still doing the Sherlock project, I was thinking we never, we almost don't explain what it is. So we had this idea that if we think about Sherlock as a collective Sherlock Holmes, we could try and make him a real person. So you know, we a start a tolpa. So we've started with coincidences. We're hoping to build up to an actual sighting of Sherlock Holmes. So um, keep the faith, people. Make Sherlock real. I'm going to try and get a deer stalker to go trick-or-treating. It's not that I'm going adult trick-or-treating. I might have some children to mind. Right. And uh, I will be... If I dress up as... Any, I'm not a big dresser-upper, but I'm trying to find a deer stalker. They're expensive, man. I want, like, a joke deer stalker, because yeah, the real must ones... Be. There must be some... Like there's one in a clothing shop in Oxford. It's beautiful, but it's five hundred pounds. No, you don't want that. I, I can't do that. No. So I'm looking for one for about twenty quid from a joke shop. So yeah. I will, uh, and hopefully it'll come with a plastic pipe. <laughs> that that would be a really bad use of a Patreon pledge, wouldn't it? Don't worry, I will. I'm not going to use. A <laughs> what do you Patreon mean you blew it all on a deer stalker? <laughs> for God's sake! No, no, because I'll use it. I'll use it again and again. I'll keep it for myself. <laughs> brilliant all right well look um thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed the podcast and uh, we'll be back next week with more quantum mechanics weirdness take it easy thank you bye, bye. the quantum mechanics.